What's up, friends? It's Syracuse basketball postgame presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare provider of SU Athletics. Brent Axe, Mike Waters, we're here at the JMA Wireless Dome. The Orange moved to 2-0. They take down Canisius tonight, 89-77. to uh, A lot to go over uh, in this one here as the Orange moved to 2-0. And, and Mike, I mean, this is the Judah Min show tonight. He gets a career-high 26 points. He scores 12 straight at one point. I believe he had 17 points in the second half of this game. I mean, Mike, we have talked so much about his importance and how he's the engine of this offense and the engine of this team, really, and we saw that particularly in the second half of this game tonight, didn't we? Yeah, he, he really took over there for about a short stretch, actually. The, those 12 points came fast. It was only about a two, two-and-a-half-minute stretch, and it came right when Syracuse needed it. I think Canisius had uh, gotten down to like uh, just six points behind. Uh, it, was, it was starting to get a little bit nervous there uh, for Syracuse fans at the Dome, and then Judah just hit on a roll, and for a while there he couldn't be stopped. And it was interesting the way it came, the 12 points in a row. It was a four-point play off a three-pointer and a foul, and then a three-point play off a made bucket and a foul, and then another three-point play. Um, again, another bucket and a foul. You know, he has a knack to get fouled. You know, first of all, he likes to drive to the basket. Uh, he likes the contact, and I think he knows, too, he's a really good free-throw shooter so far this year. So he wants to get to the line, uh, but to see him really take over the game, that, that was an encouraging thing because he is a guy who can do that. Um, you know, and, and when he did it too, I think what really was the key tonight was when he got on the run, not only did he try to take over, but he still remained in control. The shots were good shots. They weren't just crazy drives to the basket. They weren't forced shots or well-contested shots. He was driving and, and getting a good shot each and every time. By the way, this was not a night for free throws at the JMA Wireless Dome generally. Canisius really struggled at the free throw line. For the most part, Syracuse struggled at the free throw line. J.J. Starling got to the line a bunch that ended up one for five. But J.J. eight of, no, pardon me, Judah eight of nine at the free throw line, which really showed as we were talking about there, he's going to take it in. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to get fouled a lot, particularly in the second half. So he's got to cash that in. And as we know, Mike, free throws matter and they mattered for Judah Mintz tonight. And how often are we going to see this this season? I mean, he's the guy. He's the offensive catalyst. He's the one I know they're trying to. And I asked Adrian Autry in, in the postgame, what is the green light? How much freedom does Judah have to run this offense? And what he said, Mike, is everybody – he wants to have some freedom in, yes. in this offense, which I think we kind of saw a little bit, a lot of iso ball, one-on-one -on -one plays for Syracuse out there tonight. But when it's crunch time, we know who's going to have the ball in his hands. And it's, it's going to be Judah Mintz flat out. Yeah, he, he's the guy. Now, I think there will be other nights, depending on matchups, where J.J. Starling could also be the guy. You know, he, his game is similar to Judah's. He's a bigger guard who likes to drive into the lane maybe play through some contact. He's not afraid of contact. Um, most of the nights, JJ's gonna shoot the ball a little better from the free throw line, so that might also get him going. But, you know, Judah will be there, JJ. But, you know, when you asked uh, Adrian Autry that about the green light, you know, Justin Taylor's got a green light, especially to shoot the ball when he's open. Chris Bell, they want him to shoot the ball uh, when, when he gets open. So, and there's a few times tonight when Naheem McLeod even got the ball inside under the basket and threw it back out, and you look over at the bench, and it's like a a Alan Griffin, the center's coach, is like, 
no, go up. You know, it's like yeah. you have a green light too, depending on where you are, big fella. Uh, but listen, Judah is going to have the ball in his hands more often than not, probably more than any player out there. Probably se second would be J JJ. So if Judah's going to have the ball in his hands, you just want to make have him make smart decisions. And as I said earlier, in that 12-0 run that he had, those 12 consecutive points for Syracuse, those were all really good, smart plays. He didn't really force anything in there. You mentioned Justin Taylor. There were a play that Justin Taylor had, and there's a play that Chris Bell had that I don't know if we would have saw last year. Mm -hmm. So Justin Taylor had one play in this game, Mike, where just drives right in the lane, throws down a dunk, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's Canisius out there. Can you do that against some better teams in the ACC? We'll see. But I don't know if we see him do that last year. And then there was a play from Chris Bell. We've talked a lot about Chris Bell and his rebounding and where that's going to come. We know he can shoot threes, but where were the other parts of his game evolve? He had a comeback, over-the-top, uh, bounce-back rebound that was kind of a whoa moment. Like, okay, wait a minute. Chris Bell can do that. So... A couple of plays right there, Mike, that if we saw last year from those guys, we wouldn't see it often maybe, and it kind of shows how their games are evolving too. I think both those plays show how a player can develop from freshman year to sophomore year because both those guys had that in their arsenal in high school. Uh, seeing Justin Taylor in high school, he could put it on the floor. He would go by a guy just as easily as he could shoot. And if you look at him now too, from last year, he's gained a good 10, 12 pounds. He's solidly built. He may not have the kind of speed to blow by a guy. But if he gets an edge, he's big and strong enough where at this point now he's he's by you a little enough. He's going to finish. He can do that. Chris Bell, I saw him play in high school. He loved to soar in for the offensive putback. Other than making a three, Chris Bell would probably want to make that putback dunk more than anything else. Now, tonight's offensive putback was not a really a finish-off dunk but it still showed off the athleticism and the instincts he does have. And I'd really like to see more of that because that bucket came at a big moment. I think, again, Canisius was, you know, inching in, you know, clawing their way back. What was it, down to like nine or seven points? That was a really big bucket at the time. Kind of kept, you know, steadied Syracuse, made sure Canisius wasn't able to get any closer. Adrian Autry brought it up in his post game, like that he just look. It's game two. This is going to come naturally, but he has to see more sustained play at times. There was a lot of things that happen in spurts for Syracuse out there. Just do you attribute that to it's early in the year? They're trying to figure things out, particularly on defense, which we'll get to here in a moment. Would you put that on on Judah or JJ in particular? Like, why is this team at this point, keeping in mind it's early, just kind of going in these spurts at this point? I think it's because they're relatively young still. You know, there's no senior on the team. Uh, you're only returning junior. Benny, Benny Williams hasn't played in either of the first two games. He, I mean, you have guys that did play last year, but they're still only sophomores. And, and now a lot of them are new to each other. You know, J.J. Starling's a transfer in from Notre Dame. Naheem McLeod starting, transfer from Florida State. So, you know, these guys are all, you know, getting used to each other. So I think it's to be expected that the offense is going to look like you think it's supposed to at times. And then there's going to be times where it's going to be frustrating to watch these guys because it can be infuriating, maddening, maddening really. And, and, and same thing on defense. They can play defense, and then they show you, oh, they don't play at all the time. And it only takes one guy to make a mistake defensively when you're playing man-to-man. -man. One guy turns his head and gets beat back door. 
And, you know, even though you're playing good ball on, on the ball defense, that pass goes whizzing by and a guy's cutting back door. Or, you know, the guy guarding the ball, and, and Adrian Autry mentioned this a couple times since post-game press conference, you got to keep the ball in front of you. And he said, you know, we, he felt like they sat down better. And, you know, and sitting down means they were down in that defensive stance, not letting the guy get by him. You know, there was a few times out there when you notice, like, a guy start to raise up on defense and they're not in that defensive crouch, and, and, and that's when they get beat. Defensively, deep breath, right? This is a team that's, that's adjusting to man-to-man defense. You talk to a bunch of players about this, so look for Mike's story about this and how it gets better. And how it gets better, Mike, you just got to see other teams out there, right? Two exhibition games, two regular season games. You brought it up there a moment ago, keeping guys in front of you and just those things you've got to get used to defensively. One thing that really caught my eye tonight, though, and Syracuse ended up winning the points in the paint, when you got a guy like Naheem McLeod out there taking up the space that he does. Malik Brown really came on in the second half, but Canisius throughout this game had a lot of easy possessions right at the basket, underneath the basket, beating guys, right? So deep breath, patience, work in progress, but there's still some things in man-to-man defense, Mike, that have to get better as quickly as they can. I mean, you're not going to go into Maui and against some of these better teams with even Colgate next with things as sharp as attack, but they have to be better if you're going to be competitive in those games. Definitely. And, you know, some of those points in the paint – you know, they, uh, Canisius had a couple of really smart kids, and, and like Frank Mitchell. He was about 6'8 and about 240 pounds. That's what they listed him at. I guarantee you he weighs more. <laughs> but he's a burly guy. And uh, those guys can be hard to defend because you can't get to them. You know, they, they know, he knew how to use his body really well, even to the point where he was able to score over Naheem a few times because he would get into Naheem, prevent Naheem from jumping, get a shot in there and he had just enough quickness to get around Naheem too so he would get in there but some of the other points in the paint were again those some backdoor cuts and it's not like they posted anybody up and were overpowering people but they when they spread the floor and get a backdoor cut layup that's a point in the paint well actually it's two points in the paint it's one bucket in the paint uh you know so when they did get spread that's when Syracuse really has to play good defense and it has to be all five individuals on the floor playing good man-to-man defense because when you're spread out you're all exposed and listen Colgate's going to see that and they're going to think we can do that even better because generally Colgate's offense is a really good sophisticated offense they're smart they they know how to move the ball around they're going to challenge Syracuse and how many fans sat in these stands watching Syracuse play Colgate the past couple of years and said oh man if they were in man-to-man defense it would be better Okay, well, we're about to find out. You're about to get what you asked for. <laughs> you're about to see it. Colgate, we know, loves to shoot threes. They move the ball well. Veteran team, well coached. So that first real test comes just in game three with Colgate upcoming here. A couple more points on this game, though, Mike. Uh, Naheem McLeod, seven points, nine rebounds tonight. He led the team in rebounding. And it's interesting to watch him get involved and, and to see the pace. We mentioned Malik Brown kind of took over in the second half. It was just a better matchup. Malik is going to get in there. They're going to they're gonna mix in there. But how are we starting to see Naheem get involved with this team both on both ends of the floor? Brad, I'm going to give away a little bit of a follow story I'm going to write about Naheem, probably not till maybe Friday. Naheem McClay, you mentioned it. The, the seven points, nine boards, doesn't sound like big numbers, right? Well, the nine rebounds tied his career high. Wow. In just 18 minutes of play tonight. The five block shots he had were one shy of his career high. 
And again, he did it in 18 minutes. That was a really good game you saw from the big kid out there. And he's, he's not a young player, but he's still relatively inexperienced compared to a lot of these guys. You know, he didn't play a lot at Florida State. Uh, so, you know, you heard Adrian Autry after the game say he thinks he's a really talented young man and they're still trying to figure out. They want to bring him along. To, to play a 7'4 guy who weighs 265 pounds about 18, 19 minutes, that's probably about right. And, and he was productive out there. Those nine boards were impressive, I thought. And, yeah, could he have gotten a few more at the defensive end? Yeah, but you know what? I'm not going to quibble about a career high. And, and, the, and the five block shots, I mean, Judah Mintz was talking about it after the game. He's like, he's just such a presence. And they know they got him back there in, when they're playing man-to-man. They know sometimes they can funnel a guy. And like Judah said, if you have a 7'4 dude, you can do that. Right. And, uh, and, he said, and they're getting used to playing with him in practice. So, yeah, I, 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 listen, it's going to be an up and down you know, season for Naheem. He just is because he's a young, inexperienced big man. But he's going to have nights like tonight where, personally, I thought he played great. And, but I don't know how many people left the Dome tonight thinking that because the numbers were relatively modest. But, you know, in 18 minutes, I, I, I really liked what I saw from the big guy. This sounds kind of stupid, but I'm going to say it. When you have somebody that's out there seven foot four, you have to get used at the, the speed at which they play. Mm-hmm. And I watch Naheem play sometimes, and the word slow comes to mind, but he's seven foot four. He's going to move slower than some people out there. Yeah, Victor Wembignana is out there running around, but he's a unicorn, right? So let's not make that comparison. Naheem goes at his own pace, and he takes up a lot of space, and I think he's going to continue to develop. And I mean, we got that kind of presence in their zone, man, whatever the case may be. You mentioned the rebounding. That's something I'm really looking forward to seeing develop here. Mike, Benny Williams out for the third straight game for the Orange, and now we're just sitting here kind of wondering what the situation is. Everybody wants to know what it is. Adrian Autry has not revealed what it is yet. I did ask Adrian after the game, what would Benny have to do to demonstrate to you to get back on this team, get back out there at this point? You know, Adrian gave pretty much the same answer he's been giving all along at this point. It's a team matter, and he's not going to go into it at this point. So now you have some space, Mike, between now and when Colgate comes into the Dome on Tuesday. you got to wonder if that's enough time. What is the time served for Benny Williams for whatever this violation of team rules is? And that's an unanswered question at this point about what he can do for this team, what his role would be in these past two games for the Orange, because we haven't seen him out there yet. So that's just uh, the the team situation we have to continue to monitor here, and uh, we just haven't seen him a part of the action yet. Yeah, you know, we don't know when he's going to get back, you know, into Coach Autry's good graces, whatever the violation was. It would be great to have him with you out in Hawaii, to go out to Hawaii at full strength. That's my question, yeah. And then... If he's going to go out and, and play in Hawaii, it would be really beneficial to both him and the team to get him back into the rotation to have him play against Colgate. Now, he may not play a lot of minutes, but to, it would really probably benefit Benny to get out there and get some run up and down the floor before you go out and play Tennessee and then either Purdue or Gonzaga because that's a tough ass, man. You're really throwing somebody to the wolves um, again. This is just conjecture between you and I. We, we don't really we know. We don't know, yeah. But, you know, if he is going to get back soon, it would be great to see him get a little bit of run against Colgate so he's at least somewhat 
uh, ready to go against uh, the teams he's going to see in Hawaii. It worked out in this sense, Mike, because Benny sat out that last exhibition game. That was November 1st. Then he had a game Monday night and this game. So he had a bunch of games bunched together, and you could really lay out a, a certain suspension. And as we mentioned, now there's six days between now and when Colgate comes to the Dome. So we'll see if uh, Benny's time served uh, ends up with him back on the court against Colgate. We mentioned it, Mike. The Raiders have come in here two years in a row beating Syracuse, and they have done it by shooting the three. It's as simple as that. Syracuse was a little better in this game shooting the three. They had five against New Hampshire. They ended up with, what, six tonight. Five of those were in the first half. Well, most in the first half, yep. Right. So a little bit better. And yes. we mentioned Judah Mintz earlier. He hit a couple of threes, right? We know that Justin Taylor can shoot some threes. So you want to see progress. What do coaches always say in the post-game press conference? We want to get better. They did get better there, but, man, they're going to have to – really be on their game if Colgate's lighting it up again. Yeah, and, and not just making a few to offset some of the ones you know Colgate's going to make, but here's where the man-to-man -man defense really gets tested. You're going to have you're going to have to get out there and defend and you're going to have to fight through screens and you're going to have to go from one side of the court when they come around through the low post fight through a couple of low post screens and make sure you beat the guy out to the other side. Otherwise, you know, Colgate will catch and pop in a hurry. That they, they, that they know what they're supposed to do. When they come off a screen, they're looking to catch and shoot. It's like a bunch of Andy Routenses out there. And it's not going to stick in their hands a lot. So the Syracuse guys are going to really, as Coach Autry said tonight, get down in that stance and really hustle. And you cannot ever turn your head because as soon as you turn your head, you, the Colgate guy is going to be gone. So you got you to watch that guy. It, it, it's going to be really a challenge and just switching from zone to man to man is not going to be the uh, you know the easy answer. Not not against Colgate. Adrian said it after the New Hampshire game. Thank God for the zone defense. We didn't really see it tonight. We'll see if it's broken out against Colgate. Mike, before we sign off, any uh, final thoughts? Things we didn't mention about uh, this one here at the Dome tonight against the Golden Griffins of Canisius, who fall to 0-1 on the season. Their first game tonight here at the Dome. Syracuse improves to 2-0. Yeah, this the overall thoughts is you know. I thought offensively Syracuse looked really good, especially in the second half when they really got it going. And it went, they got it going too at the exact same time they got about seven consecutive stops on defense. When the defense kicked in and the offense was running efficiently and they were being smart about it and getting good shots, not forcing things, they looked better. They looked pretty good for about a five, six minute stretch there. And I've, listen, it's, it's going to be a slow go, I think, over the next month and a half. Get ready because this is where the schedule gets tough. That said, you see it where sometime in January, hopefully, this team starts play, stops playing in stretches and spurts and can start playing for a longer period of game, and, and, and they could look really good. That's it from the JMA Wireless Dome, Syracuse basketball postgame, the Orange Takedown, Canisius 89-77. It's been brought to you by our friends at Krause Health, the exclusive health care provider of SU Athletics. For Mike Waters, I'm Brent Axe. We will talk to you again after the Orange take on Colgate on Tuesday. Basketball-wise, just a reminder that Emily Liker and I will be live on our football channels and Syracuse Orange Sports on YouTube, live after Syracuse takes on Pittsburgh on Saturday at Yankee Stadium. Mike, we're at that time of the year. I have to remember, what brain do I put on? The basketball <laughs> brain, the football brain. We'll be back to the football brain on Saturday after the Orange take on Pittsburgh. We'll be back here at the Dome on Tuesday after the Orange take on Colgate. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe. 
Syracuse Sports as well. Our voicemail line is 315-552-1964. You can leave us a voicemail at any time, and we'll incorporate those into Syracuse Sports in our postgame shows here. Signing off from the Dome, Brent Axe, Mike Waters. We'll talk to you next time, guys. I'm going to lean over. Turn this off.